Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Bowl Week of this 2020 football season. Got a relatively short episode this week. Uh, I will. I'll have another episode next week going over all the biggest. Uh, bowl and playoff matchups, um, but but today just wanna wanna focus on a little bit of what we saw last week. A uh, couple couple random odds and ends. I'll uh, get into the playoff selection a little bit, and then uh, and then some big picture Notre Dame stuff. So uh, if if you're not interested in the Notre Dame part of this, I will not be offended if you sign off a little early. But I will save that for the end. In terms of what we saw last week, um, I went six and three with the picks. I got to one game above 500 for the season. Um, still still in the red if if you factor in the vig, although I'm hoping through through bowl week and the playoffs that I'm able to provide a couple of winners to get myself into the black for believe it or not, and some of you I just know it's going to be not the seventh consecutive year. Every year that I have brought you this podcast, we have found our way into the black for the season. So we're going to keep grinding. We're going to do our best. We want to keep that streak alive because once the streak is gone, it could it could be a hard fall. I could just I could go on tilt and it could get out of hand quickly. Um, so so we're going to do our best there. In terms of uh, in terms of the uh, unanimous picks between myself. Tommy and Danny, we did go three and two there. So you know we weren't perfect, but uh, there was definitely uh, there was definitely a margin there. If you wanted to make some money last week, hopefully you were able to do it. In terms of what we saw on the field, a not a lot to talk about. Um, Ohio State looked bad early. Um, they continued to try to throw the ball, even though it was not working, and the run game was working very, very, very easily. Um, Trey Sermon going for a Ohio State record in that one, and I believe a a championship game record as well. Um, so ultimately, once Ohio State started running the ball, they uh, they started to pull away late in that one. Um, Notre Dame completely outclassed by a full speed, fully loaded Clemson team that is looking every bit as good as Alabama right now. I think a lot of us maybe forgot that in the middle of the season, uh, the combination of Lawrence being out. And just they weren't quite putting it on teams. Certainly, we think back to what that seventy to seven game against Georgia Tech or whatever the score was there. Um, but they had kind of been laying low a little bit, and boy, um, what a reminder of how good they are. And then Alabama and Florida in a really fun and and not unexpected shootout. If you listen to the show last week, um, Florida Florida is well suited to play with Alabama. I don't think that they are one of the three or four best teams in the country necessarily, but they are well suited to play a close-ish game against Alabama, just given how good their offense is. So I wouldn't be looking into that too much saying that Alabama's got a beatable defense and that Notre Dame's going to keep that game close because of it, just because I don't think Notre Dame's offense can do what Florida's offense did. Uh, that you know, we'll 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 dive deep into that game next week. But it's just a situation where, yes, Alabama gave up a lot of points, 
but I think Florida has arguably the second best offense in the entire country. Um, so for, for that reason, you know, I don't think that there's necessarily a blueprint there that other teams can use to try to, uh, you know, put up 50 points on, on Alabama or anything like that. Um, one just random item before I get into the playoff, uh, the playoff selection is a penalty that was added to college football within the last couple of years. And that is the illegal blindside block. This should not be a penalty. And I'll tell you why. Blindside blocks are part of football. You know, if you run a misdirection play, there's often going to be a time where a player is coming and blocking an unsuspecting player from the side. Um, this is, we, we've got a rule for illegal block in the back. You cannot block a guy in the back. Now we're saying you can't block a guy in the side if his momentum is going towards you, but he's looking the other way. This is part of football, especially, it's especially ridiculous because more than half the time, this is a receiver putting a block on a linebacker that is bigger than him. So I understand the push for safety in the game. I am a big fan of the targeting call. I think they need to do a better job of enforcing it, but I totally understand that every once in a while, targeting is going to overreach what it's intended to do and maybe be overly punitive because the whole point is to change the way people tackle. If, if you call enough targeting and sometimes it's going to be overly punitive, at least the idea is people get it through their heads, no pun intended, that you cannot lead with your helmet. You cannot have your head down and use your head to make the tackle. Head up, lead with the shoulder, make safe tackles. It's, it's all about changing the game for the better going into the future with this significant emphasis on targeting not being allowed. Blindside blocks, not the same thing. Yes, they're dangerous, but football is a dangerous sport by nature. It's part of the game. You've got a penalty in the rule book called unnecessary roughness. Use that if, ne- if necessary. If a blindside block is unnecessarily rough, throw the flag for unnecessary roughness. If someone leads with the helmet and hits someone in the head or neck area, throw the flag for targeting. If someone blasts a player that is nowhere near the play on a blindside block, call the unnecessary roughness. But for a play that is, you know, where the ball is, if, if a running back is, is running and a player that could make the tackle is blocked by a regular, potentially, you know, hard blindside block, that should not be a penalty. It's on the refs to make the decision, the subjective decision about whether or not it's unnecessary roughness. But unfortunately, I think the rule is probably put in place because the refs just aren't doing enough, a good enough job with sub- subjective calls. So we are just legislating the game by putting rule after rule in it, taking all subjectivity out of it, and making the ref's job as easy as possible. We're hurting the game to make the ref's job easier. The refs should just be better trained. They should do a better job. And if they're not as good, they stop getting the assignments and they're demoted, and we find refs who are better. But illegal blindside block should not be a thing. It's part of football. That's it. Have you gotten your meats yet? Christmas is upon us. 
If you're in the greater New York City metro area, you can probably still get your meats by Christmas Eve if you go to local.debraga.com, schedule your delivery for maybe Christmas Eve. You can still get it. It's possible, folks. Now, if you don't live in the greater New York area, you can still get you know meat probably in time for New Year's, or if you just want to stock up for 2021, we're talking beef, chicken, pork, game. That's my... That's my New Year's resolution, to eat more game in 2021. Go to Debraga, that's D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A dot com. Just, you'll find the finest selection of top quality meats. Really great customer service over there. Just A-plus all around. I, I, you may have heard last week, I had the undercooked pork. I felt kind of better than ever the next day. So... No, it's 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 the best of the best stuff. I had a couple of steaks. We had some snow, so I just stayed in, made some steaks. Just right here on my stovetop, they came out tasting better than any that I've ever had in a restaurant. You could be doing this at home yourself. Go to debraga.com, use promo code SCOOP, that's S-C-O-O-P. You'll get 15% off your first purchase. You will not regret it, folks. So the selection committee, I, I intentionally did not turn the TV to, to ESPN until exactly noon when the selection show is starting. And unfortunately, I was still hit with 30 minutes of discussion before the teams were actually announced. And then I changed the channel off it once the teams were announced. A couple things. One, I just find it interesting the way everyone on that panel seemed to talk so matter-of-factly about something that I didn't think was quite so matter-of-fact. Um, every, I think it was like a five-person panel, and every single one was just like, eh, I think it's pretty clear that it's, that it's Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. And, you know, it's possible Notre Dame and Ohio State could be flip-flopped at 3-4, but, you know, we expect it to be Notre Dame 4, and that's just what it is. And they were right. And, and I, I expected that as well. I tweeted as much the night before. Uh, that was certainly ex- the expectation. Based on everything we had witnessed to that point, that seemed to be the thing that made the most sense. But I just found it interesting that they just said, yeah, this is what it is and this is what it's going to be. Now, the thing that I also found interesting that they were incorrect about was, you know, so much time putting up the resumes of Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Cincinnati for that fourth spot. And I'm lying there watching, watching the show, just saying to myself, Cincinnati is not, is not sixth here. It's not going to happen. Based on everything we know, and I said as much on last week's podcast, talking about whether or not the Big 12 had a chance to get into the playoff, once Oklahoma beat Iowa State, they kind of took that Iowa State spot. You know, they two-loss Big 12 champion, with three quality wins, they were going to jump into that spot and be ahead of Cincinnati. And sure enough, that's what happened. Now, is that fair? Probably not. You know, should should Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina have the opportunity to play in the playoff? I say yes, probably. Drop out Ohio State and Notre Dame and put Cincinnati and Coastal in those spots, and that's fine with me. And I've heard from some of you who will remain nameless that, oh, the, the, you know, you let the little guy in and they'll get blown out and that'll shut him up real quick. 
please. That's ridiculous. You know who's gotten blown out in the college football playoff? Almost everyone who's ever played in the college football playoff. Georgia has played two games in the college football playoff, and they've both been close games. One win, one loss. LSU has played two games in the college football playoff, and they've both been comfortable wins. Here's a list of teams that have been blown out in the college football playoff. Spoiler alert, it's every other team that's ever played a game. Florida State, Oregon, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Washington, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama. Those are, those are some pretty big names, some big boys of the sport, if you will. Did they get shut up real quick when they got blown out? And blowout, I'm saying, is a three-score margin. Alabama lost a game by 28. Notre Dame lost a game by 27. Clemson lost a game by 17. Uh, They lost another game by 18. Oklahoma lost a game by 35. Ohio State lost a game by 31. Michigan State lost a game by 38. These are the big boys of the sport. They've gotten blown out. Guess what? If Cincinnati or Coastal Carolina get in and they get blown out, it's not going to harm the product. They'd just be in good company. This isn't even a hot take. Let the sirens run. Let them in. There have been 18 games in the history of the college football playoffs. 11 of them, 61%, have been blowouts. We're not doing some great disservice to the sanctity of the college football playoff by not letting group of five teams in. If they get in and play well and win some games, that's amazing. If they get in and get blown out, it's the status quo. It's what happens in these playoffs every single time. There's no reason that they should not be given the chance to play. They're not going to do worse than Clemson or Alabama or Oklahoma or Notre Dame. We've seen it from these teams. So why not see it from other teams? Unfortunately, getting blown out in the playoffs is a pretty good segue to Notre Dame. Notre Dame got killed on Saturday. They're clearly not as good as Clemson. I think the gap is bigger than I thought it was. Now, granted, I went back and rewatched the entire first meeting from this year and came away with three thoughts two of them that would be pro-Clemson, one pro-Notre Dame. Unfortunately, the two Clemson thoughts were accurate and the Notre Dame thought was not. Rewatching that game, despite the fact that DJ Uyunglele threw for a record passing yards against Notre Dame, he missed some throws. That was clear. And there were a couple times he maybe had a running lane that closed up a little faster because he doesn't have the foot speed of Trevor Lawrence. So my first takeaway is, oh crap, Trevor Lawrence is going to make a big difference in this game. Second takeaway was that Clemson's linebackers were slow in the first game. And getting James Skalski back was going to close up some of those running lanes. And unfortunately, that turned out to be true. My third takeaway was that Notre Dame would be able to duplicate winning the line of scrimmage when it was their defensive line versus Clemson's offensive line. And that was incorrect. So three things all went against Notre Dame. Notre Dame got blown out. Clemson is much better than Notre Dame. 
So where do we go from here? Because it's probably going to look pretty similar against Alabama. And again, just a reminder, next week I will talk more about the Notre Dame-Alabama matchup as well as Clemson-Ohio State and any other major bowl games that we decide to talk about. But let's look at where Notre Dame has been and where they are now. So 2012, 2018, and now 2020, two blowouts and a third that a lot of people think is likely. Number one, it is better to be blown out in the playoffs than not play in the playoffs at all. And if you are sitting at home listening and thinking, no, I'd, I'd rather go to a, a different, you know, a, a lesser bowl game and win to quiet some of the noise and the doubters, that is objectively incorrect. I will, I will say that that is the wrong answer. I'm, and I'm here to listen to your argument, but at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you that argument is wrong. A, because nobody cares if they beat someone else in a lesser bowl. And B, because it is flat out better to be here. The way to solidify yourself as one of the top contenders in the sport is to play in the highest level games. And with this trip to the playoff, Notre Dame is now one of five teams to make multiple playoff appearances, right alongside Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma who I would argue have been the five best programs in the sport over the last four years. That's where you want to be. Now, where is Notre Dame relative? We know where Notre Dame is relative to the rest of the country, and they've made such amazing strides since that 2012 game against Alabama. But the next question, and I think the one that's harder to answer, is where is Notre Dame relative to the top of the sport? In 2012, the top of the sport was Alabama, and then it was everyone else below. And Notre Dame clearly was not close to Alabama. Now, both in 2018 and here in 2020, the top of the sport is Alabama and Clemson. I'd say one tier below that is Ohio State. And then below that is where you find the Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Georgias of the world. So, right now, Notre Dame is certainly a better program right now than they were in 2012. But are they closer to that top tier of Alabama and Clemson than they were to just Alabama in 2012? And the answer is, I don't know. On one hand, I think this 2020 Notre Dame football team, if it played that 2012 Alabama team, I think it would be a pretty good game. But unfortunately, while Notre Dame has spent eight years building towards a team that could compete in 2012, the other upper echelon teams have just gone ahead and advanced the sport. They've changed the game that they're playing. Now it's all about, you know, big time skill position and explosive offenses. And even though this Notre Dame team is better than it was in 2012, I think the way that the game has changed, I think they might be farther away from competing than they were back then. Which is a scary thought, because when does that gap ever start to close? And if you're Brian Kelly and Notre Dame, what direction do you go? Do you try to close the gap by just staying course, continuing to build the offensive line, bring in good quarterbacks, 
tight ends, running game, things like that? Or do you pivot again and try to chase Alabama and Clemson and bring in, you know, the the skill position guys and spread it out and have an explo- as explosive an offense as you possibly can? I think that second option is dangerous for two reasons. One, you're never going to recruit on the same level as Alabama or Clemson. You're not going to be able to bring in the same level of talent. And two, you make that pivot and you try to go that direction. By the time you're there, the game has changed again. For that, I mean, it's it's the same reason for, you know, I, I've said I don't expect Notre Dame to win a national championship in my lifetime. That's a that's a sad truth, but I just don't see it. I they can continue to come close, but it's going to be so hard to win, especially if we expand to to an eight team playoff, and then Notre Dame would have to win three games. In 2012, they almost won. You know, if if, if Kansas State beats beats Baylor, Notre Dame beats Kansas State in the national championship game. That's a pretty amazing thing to think about. And even the way it went, you know, one miracle against Alabama, they win the national championship. Now in 2020, they need a miracle against Alabama and then a miracle against Clemson. And if it gets to eight teams, they're going to need, you know, the first one probably won't have to be a miracle, but then two more miracles down the stretch. So I don't know. It's tough for Notre Dame, but I think we should be excited to be here (laughs) You know, hey, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I think that's where it should be. It should be exciting to play in the biggest games against the best teams. That's where we're at. Whether or not we're any closer to winning a championship, I don't know. With that, I'll be back next week to talk about the the big the big matchups that are upcoming. Uh, but until then, have a very very merry Christmas, and uh, I'll talk to you later. That concludes the scoop and score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.